Hey, Phoenix, how's it going? Groovy. Groovy. Welcome to the 1960s with Phoenix LeFay. Thanks. I wasn't alive in the 1960s. <laughs> yeah, well, then why are you saying groovy? <laughs> <laughs> hey, so, um, tonight's show... Yeah, yeah, I don't know what we're doing. Yeah, I know, but I think uh, <laughs> it's going to be pretty obvious. So, mm. we often pre-record these shows the day before they air. That way, you know, any technical glitches and things like that, we can we can edit out or re re-record. Tonight is the night of the U.S. election. It's November third, twenty twenty, and by the time this airs, we will know at least in many many states um, the results of the twenty twenty election. So we'll find out whether there'll be. Four more years of a Republican administration uh, with Donald Trump at the helm or four years of um, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris at the, the head. So it seems to me that from a timeliness standpoint of view, Phoenix, we should probably talk about the very controversial subject of politics and paganism. But... I do want to give a little bit of some context around this before we dive into this. This is not about who you voted for. And for the folks that are listening, it's not even necessarily about who you did vote for or will vote for, depending, um, whether it's in the U.S. election or wherever you might be listening to this. I really want to focus on this idea of uh, politics and paganism. Because in the you know various interwebs, it frequently comes up that folks say, there's no place for politics in paganism. And then the other side of that is a bit more of like, what do you mean? All paganism is politics. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I really wanted to get your perspective on this. You know, both of us come from an activist tradition, mm-hmm. the reclaiming uh, tradition. That's where we, our, our roots have been. And when I was a teenager, I was very political, um, went to many demonstrations for you know, a great number of causes, some of which resolved in the way that I would hope they resolved, and you know, some are still ongoing. Um, so I'm, you know, I think both of us are fairly political-leaning, and so I wanted to talk about politics and paganism. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about that? I think that this uh, is a difficult and dangerous topic. Yeah. Um, I'm going to act as moderator for you. (laughs) I know, right? Well, and that's kind of the problem, I think, with potentially talking about this is, you know, you're able to stay more um, unbiased than I am uh, so that there is no one to have a contrary opinion to me. You might be able to play devil's advocate, but I think generally speaking, you are in agreement with how I feel about things. So we, I would say, to speak for you for a minute, think that you you can't ignore politics as part of witchcraft or paganism. I don't think any religion can ignore politics. I don't think um, religion and politics go hand in hand, but I don't think you can just ignore it. And, and I think that we're in agreement on that. So there isn't anyone here to offer a counter argument. 
How very binary of you, as if we have to be in a counter-argument. <laughs> no, I know. This is not a TV show where you have two people I know. I'm just, I guess I'm already hearing, like, people go, well, but you didn't have anyone who feels different. Well, and that's why, again, <laughs> this is not about who you might vote for. Right. And more about um, the idea that politics and paganism don't go hand in hand. And so I think the slippery slope that you're talking about is at least in the United States, there is a notion that um, there is a separation between church and state. In other words, church doctrines should not dictate um, uh, legis uh, legislative laws and, and rules of society. That is technically the rule. I understand that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm setting out the yeah. context. Here. Yeah. God, it's already getting chippy with you. Tom. Well, I told you, you're bringing up a <laughs> chippy topic, so suck it. So <laughs> the idea being is that if a religious system or a religious belief um, should not be prevalent in the laws of the land mm -hmm. because we are not in the United States a society of religion but a society of law as a rule of law yes and one of those guaranteed um, uh, laws that you mentioned is not actually a law but the, the way it's actually set up is a the, governing structure right is the freedom of speech and the freedom to pr practice the religion that you wish and obviously if you protect, if you um, practice a religion and I practice B religion and you're in power and you made all of the rules of the land conform to your religious expectations and beliefs, that would be problematic for me if my beliefs weren't in alignment mm -hmm. with that. Right. And we see that throughout many cultures and many places today in the world where a particular religious belief system is dominant and it um, negatively impacts anybody else that's well, in a minor religion. You can see that in the United States, where it's supposedly not supposed to be that way. Right. Yeah. But again, <laughs> I'm just pointing out, <laughs> while you can go down the road and make arguments about this, we do not actually live in a theocracy. Correct. The United States is, is not ruled by church doctrine no. or religious doctrine that then sets laws Correct. in theory and generally in practice. Right. It is that there is laws and you are able to um, uh, practice your religion as a guaranteed right within those. Right. So the religious folk are not making the laws. Now, again, I'm sure there are many folks that would go, yeah, but. Yes. But we're not going to have that conversation. No. Oh, okay. They can have it by themselves. All right. All right. So. In a country, mm. the United States, where laws are made and religious practices are observed and the two should not mm -hmm. um, uh, work in tandem with each other, uh -huh. there are folk that would say that witchcraft and paganism and politics shouldn't go together. Sure. And I think that that's... Um, an incorrect assumption. Mm -hmm. What about you? I think it's an incorrect assumption. However, and, and I'm, I, I voraciously disagree with that sentiment. 
However, if you're a, a witch or a pagan and this is your private spiritual practice, it can feel very insular and personal and solitary. And therefore, you might be able to be in the fallacy <laughs> that um, politics and what's happening on a larger scale and um, governing structures and all of that system don't really matter or apply to you because you're a single individual doing your own thing, staying in your own lane and not worried about it. So I can get that myopic kind of way of looking at it. Unfortunately, even if you are an individual practicing your own private thing, not talking to anyone about it and being very solitary, we don't live solitary lives. We don't live in a solitary world. And when you belong to a minority group, you kind of have to watch out for that group. You can't expect the majority to watch out for the minority, as we've seen throughout history that doesn't go so well. Right. So my opinion, like to like, you know, to end the show right now. <laughs> <laughs> my opinion is as a minority religion, as a minority spiritual group, we are very small. And it's important to pay attention to politics because the rights of our group could be easily taken away if we're not being vigilant and paying attention to what our governing structures are doing. It could easily become problematic to be an out pagan or witch in our culture. And in some places in the, in the United States, it already is. In some places where they're, you know, we live in Northern California. It's a we live in a deliciously liberal little bubble that I enjoy, <laughs> and it, I'm I've always felt safe to be out as a witch and a pagan since I was a teenager. I've had a few weird altercations, but for the most part, people go, "Oh, Wicca? Okay, yeah, I've heard of that." You know, for the most part. But even in the United States, there are places where it's not safe to say that, where you can be harassed, beaten. Uh, lose your job, lose your the custody of your kids, even in the United States where freedom of religion, I'm using air quotes for that. So that's why I feel like politics is important to pay attention to, to make sure you're participating in it because we are, as pagans and witches, we are a minority religion. We are a minority group and we don't want our rights to be taken away. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Yes. Because this is like, so here's the counter argument. Um, and I'm going to speak one of the things that many Republicans, especially the more right the mm -hmm. Republicans are, they will bring out this old trope that uh, whatever Democrat, whether it's a governor or a mayor or a senator or a congressperson or a, a president, they always bring out this old trope. They're trying to take away your guns. The Second Amendment is mm -hmm. under attack. And I can't think of a single piece of legislation in the last 50 years where the where the right to bear arms has actually no. ever been uh, impinged upon. No, regulated, yes, sure. but not impinged upon. Right. So likewise, where is this notion that they'll be coming for our kids? Um, I, I don't think there's been a real case of somebody since probably the satanic panic of the 1980s mm -hmm. where people are truly worried about their their custody battle being taken because in any courtroom in the United States, if you have access to a decent lawyer in the... You just said a key word right there. Well, but that's a completely different subject. Mm -hmm. But from a political standpoint of view, you cannot, 
you cannot have your children taken away from you if you're Catholic. You cannot have your children taken away from you if you're a Buddhist. You cannot have your children taken away from you if you are a pagan from a legal standpoint of view because there's nothing in the tenets of those particular religions that would necessitate you being a poor parent. You can right. be a poor parent because you're an asshole or abusive or a drug addict or whatever, and there may still be mitigations there that allow you to have um, – uh, you know, visitation that or custody or what calling. have you. I know. But, you know, where is this, uh, what is this protection that you're talking about? Now, just to be clear, I'm not saying that it doesn't exist, but what, where do you have this idea? So, and I guess this is some of my, my, my liberal bias, right? Because mm-hmm. if you look generically, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, painting broad strokes, the more conservative folks tend to be more Christian inclined. So if you, it, it's not a, a far leap to see how someone who is more Christian inclined would be more willing to enforce Christian doctrines. And this is something that is continued to be argued about prayer in school, uh, the use of the word God and the pledge of allegiance, all of these arguments, um, come from this conversation about religion and i don't feel that any one religion should be given priority over another and conservatives tend to give priority and i'm again broad strokes conservatives tend to give priority to christian faith and that when you say my faith is the one true faith and you believe that in your heart it makes it real hard to be accepting of other people's faiths because in your heart they're wrong and if you're a good Christian, you want to help them and fix it and bring them to the light and have them accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. So it's not a far leap to think that if conservatives are more... Be, in con- just be clear, conservative Christians. Yes. Yeah. But but like I said, generally speaking, more conservative, politically leaning people tend to be conservative Christians. So if those are, if those folks have more power and control in government situations, it is not that far of a leap to think that Christianity can become the the leading religion. Some folks even think it already is that we're a Christian nation, and that is scary to me. I don't uh, I don't want my religious choices impinged upon by someone else's religious choices. Yeah, I'm a, a big fan of you know the phrase "one nation under God." I like saying, "Oh, which one?" Right. <laughs> right. So which God are you talking about? Right. So so that's a bit about religion <laughs> and politics. Um, you know, so for me, here's why I think paganism and um, witchcraft and politics do intersect. Mm-hmm. If we look at specifically the word witch, right? Because throughout history, there have been sorcerers or cunning people or astrologers or herbalists or midwives and, you know, a whole range of folks that um, often get lumped in with Mm -hmm. the term witch. But if we go back really specifically into um, uh, European history, primarily, although still rampant in other parts of the world today, yeah. But historically, if we go back, you know, into the uh, Middle Ages and through about the 17th century or so, um, 18th century, we had um, the term witch was used 
to uh, strip people of their rights. Yeah. If you were accused of a, being a witch or practicing witchcraft. Taking it, your land. Right. Land, <laughs> livelihood, life. Yeah. You know, all of those kinds of things. Yeah. So I think. And it was very politically motivated, the accusation of. of sure. Know, yeah. yeah. So I think for me, there is a, a rich history mm-hmm. and a, an unfortunate one, too. But there is a rich history that um, naming somebody as a witch, accusing them of witchcraft, was a powerful stroke to rob them of their, to use a term from the Constitution, their life, liberty, and their pursuit of happiness, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, and so I think it's, for me, an almost impossible argument to suggest that witchcraft and politics aren't connected yeah now i also think in the legend of aradia so whether or not you believe in the story of the goddess of aradia or not and i know you've got your own opinions about that mm-hmm. you know wasn't aradia um charged with working with the oppressed to give them some semblance of power to teach them the craft yes so that they could quite literally overthrow their oppressors well poison them yeah that was part of it yeah Mm -hmm. right so even in that story whether you say that that story is 150 years old or whether you think that story is you know ancient Mm -hmm. in its provenance the the idea of that story is that the gods said we're going to give you witchcraft so that you can level the playing field right. against those in power. And power is the, the power of politics, right. right? The ability to set policy and to right. make laws. And those to in charge. Right. Yeah. So, again, I think if you just look back at history, if, if uh, the word witchcraft could be weaponized, and mm-hmm. it still is today, yes. if the word witchcraft was weaponized to... Um, uh, rob you of your life or property or livelihood, then I think it, by definition, it's political. Right. Right? Witchcraft is political. And then I think if you, as you said, if you look at it and say, well, I practice an alternate religion, Mm -hmm. let's just call it that, or I have alternate beliefs, and and they're not shared by the majority. Right. There needs to be protection so that I can continue to practice those ways. Right. Um, again, as long as they don't break the laws of the land, mm-hmm. you know, like you can't say, well, my religion permits murder, right? Well, right. It's not impinging on anyone else's life, liberty, or the pursuit of happiness as well. So be a, be an alternative practitioner of whatever, as long as that isn't causing harm or problems for anyone else. And ideally, anyone is also, you know, our natural resources and the planet and the animals and the plants and blah, blah, blah. As witches and pagans, we're supposed to give a fuck about the planet a little bit more than maybe the average Joe does, which is another reason for me witchcraft, paganism, and politics go hand in hand because, as you said, who makes policy, who makes decision, who's figuring things out on a larger scale that we, you know, drilling for oil off the coast of California is decided by bigger voices than mine, but I have the ability to vote for those voices and make sure that they're not going to fuck up the planet worse than it's already been. 
you know, so that's the other part of it too. It's not just our religious protection. It's protection of the resources that we're supposed to take care of and, and care more about as witches and pagans. <laughs> right. And g- generally, and again, this is not true for every, you know, witch, pagan, druid, polytheist, you know, fill in the blank, but generally speaking, most folks that, that practice some form of, of the, the witchcraft, the pagan umbrella type, um, practices tend to be more on the side of, um, environmentalism right it's called right. earth worshipers for right. a reason right it's a it's a nature religion it's earth worshiping it's you know whatever you want to call it right fertility religion depending on you know whose beliefs you believe in but some of that fertility religion stuff is also about having fertile resources not right. just you know procreation of course mm-hmm. so again i find it interesting because there are a lot of folks who are like hunters for instance who actually are very uh, strict conservationists. Yeah, right? tend they, to be. Right, they, they want open space. To, again, want... be generic and broad strokes. Yeah, yeah, very, yeah. very broad strokes yeah. here. Again, for every one thing we've said, there is yes. 10 people out of there course. going, no, that's not true. Yeah, of course. My Uncle Joe hates the land. <laughs> you right. know? But generally speaking, um, there is some agreement, again, on, on either side of the political fence there, that open space and the animals um, and, and, you know, fauna and flora that live in, in those spaces need to be protected. Mm-hmm. And again, I think as a nature religion, we'll just use that as kind of a blanket term, Yeah, that there is necessarily the idea of protecting the place we live, whether that's the water you drink or the, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the, strip mining or clear cutting or you know any of those mm-hmm. kinds of things fracking you know all that sort of stuff um transportation of oil mm-hmm. for instance you know our world for today does run a lot on fossil fuels on yeah. petroleum products and so necessarily we do have to move oil from here to there but the idea that that is always done safely. You know, the Exxon Valdez would speak differently to that. Right. A thousand pipeline spills would tell yeah. you differently. Yeah. And when those pipelines or those shipping lanes uh, impinge upon somebody else, and or like you said, you're drilling in places that ought not be drilled in, mm-hmm. um, then that does become political. Well, it's also this, this is like the soapbox I will, and the hill I will probably die on. It's the... Uh, no matter what class I teach or what conversation I have, this is where it ends up for me is this illusion of disconnection and that, you know, whatever happens in the pipeline in, in the Midwest has no bearing on me here in California. The, the the truth of that is, sure, I might not see it. I might not see it, but it's impacting the people that live there. It's impacting the ground and the soil. It's sinking in and spreading. It's going to have a con- an impact on crops. It's going to have an impact on animal life. And I might not see that because I can't go outside and see the destruction, but it does absolutely impact me. There isn't a single thing on this planet that happens that doesn't impact the entire planet because of the, the way we are interconnected. And so this idea of disconnection, how easy it is to go, oh, well, that's happening over there. I don't thank God. I don't have to worry about that. Oh, that typhoon is in the Philippines right now. Thank God I don't have to worry about that. No, you do, because all of that impacts us. 
So, you know, that's part of the problem, too, is that I can just, and this is an American disease. It's not so much in other countries. It's very much an American thing of picking yourself up by your bootstraps and doing it all by yourself and, you know, being a self-made man and blah, blah. All that's bullshit. You know, I just, I, I just want to say this. You know that phrase, pick yourself up by the bootstraps, was meant to be an impossibility. Like, yeah. it's come to mean, like... You know, like you said, you're a self-made person. Put you your did nose it to the grindstone right. and work hard. But initially it was you cannot pick yourself up by your own bootstraps. Right. right? That, that's the, the origins of the phrase. It was meant to say no matter how much you try, you cannot lift yourself up right. by your own bootstraps. And yet <laughs> it's this lie that we're told. Yeah. To pick yourself up by your bootstraps. But yeah. actually it's physically impossible to do that. Right. Absolutely impossible. So, you know, all of, all of that is part of this too. It's this that we are isolated and we are alone and we just have to do it ourselves and we don't have to depend on any on anyone else therefore we don't have to worry about what happens to anyone else we don't have to care about what happens to anyone else and we absolutely do and, and that, i mean to take aside i want to just say this before i forget because i will <laughs> <laughs> thinking on how some indigenous cultures live thinking of seven generations ahead you know, like you might not ever have biological offspring, but if you care about any living entity that's going to be alive after you're dead, you have to care about what's going to happen to the planet and the people that are going to continue to live here. And if you live thinking of seven generations ahead, you're much more likely to make choices for taking care of the planet, taking care of resources, taking care of humans. Compassion. It's like a thing we've lost. Yeah. So... <clears throat> So from a, uh, a religious protection standpoint of view, you think that politics and paganism dovetail together, yeah? Yeah. And you think from an environmentalism, and, and not necessarily, I mean, I'm not necessarily talking about sitting in trees, but, you know, like that happens too. I'm but not just opposed. Right, me neither. <laughs> I've done it. Um, but, you know, the idea that... Um, the the planet and especially the part of the planet that w we live in um that there do need to be um that there does need to be oversight and thought beyond just oh i'm gonna cut down those trees or burrow into that mountain or dig down into that earth and extract a thing and use it right that there has to be more forethought and in that way you think environmentalism and paganism and politics intersect, yeah? Yes. Okay. So um, let's talk about some of the social issues. Okay. Um, so in the last 50 years, probably the two or three most divisive um, issues that face the United States, and this is not true in some other countries of the world. In many places in Europe, these just aren't hot-button political issues. But um, in the U.S. in the last 50 years, um, the rights of the LGBTQ community mm. and um, women's rights, especially around the autonomy of their own bodies. Yep. Those are, I mean, every election, it's, you know, is so-and-so for or against abortion? Is so-and-so for a woman's right to choose or not? a woman's right to choose mm -hmm. so as a as a pagan mm -hmm. as a witch and as a woman how do you counter think about as like, a queer person as well as a queer person as well right 
how do you sort of square with someone that says politics, especially if they happen to be a woman or a queer person, mm-hmm. um, that politics and paganism don't have a place together, especially when as a woman, um, while on paper, you and I have the same rights in practice. That's not true when it comes to healthcare. Well, it's not true when it comes to being paid. It's not true when it comes to a lot of freaking things. You're gonna like. You're about to make my feminist rage go off here. So. I know this is, <laughs> and I, you know, I'm 100 percent behind your feminist rage. But. No, I know it's just you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I get real pissed off, especially at women who don't vote or whatever, don't care because women fought real fucking hard to have the right to vote it's the 100 years anniversary which is ridiculous you know fought real hard and you know there's not exactly there's no stories of anyone specifically dying but there are definitely stories of women being beaten and abused because Mm. they were protesting against not having equal rights and you know and, and equal rights is a whole long big topic too of for lots of different not just women but people of color and um, LGBTQ, you know, like the whole list goes on, but that goes right back to the conversation of being a religious minority, which is, and pagans are a religious minority. Any t- time you are in the minority, although I have to just say for a second, women aren't in the MFing minority, so how we just haven't wrested control away, and anyway, not feminist rage, fan the flames, I need to calm down. <laughs> okay. It pisses me off when women are blasé about politics. It makes me mad. It makes me really mad. So, you know, that's well, that's my feelings about that. Um, yeah, I don't know what more to say about that. But it goes back again to this idea, like my very first point on this conversation is, who gives a shit about what a woman does with her body? Who cares about whether you're gay or lesbian or transgender? Religious people who feel like according, according to their religion... That's wrong. Well, I don't care about your religion. You live the tenets of your religion and don't worry about me. But that's not how it works. So it all it always goes back to religion. People who think that religion and politics aren't entwined, just look at that. The, the cho- women's right to choose, equal rights, that all goes back to religious ruling and what certain religions say is okay and is not okay. That you should be subservient to the man. Well, and that, uh, you know, uh, being queer is against God's freaking stupid laws, and therefore you don't get equal rights because you're breaking God's laws. Well, God's laws aren't the law of this country. So piss off with your God's laws. And again, which God? I can think of many, many queer gods that we were like, queers? Yes, all for it. Right. Me too. Right. So again, it's this, this... particularly dominant right. god Yahweh that guy <laughs> right that guy so you know that like it, to me any conversation about rights any conversation about equality any conversation about any in the environment all of that goes back to what the dominant religion of this country is Christianity and the dominant uh, rules you know the rules of that dominant religion are oppressive against a lot of other people besides men. So uh, I don't want anything in my life to be structured by those rules because 
to be blunt, they're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that you kept using the word dominant over and over again because there is something in in the Bible very, very early on that talks about how God, Yahweh, mm-hmm. uh, gave man mm-hmm. dominion over the earth. Right. Like this was um, this was man's resource center that they could plunder at will because they were the top of the food chain. Right. Without thought to any right. body else or any other being. Right. Right. So this, you know, and loving that, that, religion that's supposed to be all about love and charity and giving. One of the very first rules is go ahead, men, do whatever the F you want. Right. So. Like I, I'm not a, I'm not necessarily a Christianity basher. I was in my early days of being a witch and a pagan because I just wanted to rally and rebel against sure. anything that was mainstream. And I don't think well, even that's a political act, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I remember, you know, you telling me the story of when you were 16 or 17 years old, got your driver's license, and you drove out to a little shop called Milk and Honey, which. You know, many years later, you now are the proprietor of. Mm-hmm. But you drove out and bought your first pentacle necklace, and like that was a radical act, wearing that necklace. Right. Um, just putting the symbol of the pentacle or of a goddess or you know the Om symbol or whatever it is that you happen to wear, that alone is a is a radical act of saying I, I am this or I identify right. with that. Right. Well, it, because it goes against the mainstream. It goes against the status quo. And the main, again, very much United States focused here, but the mainstream is really, 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 really influenced by Christianity. Oh, sure. And even, you know, I've mentioned this before. I've talked about it, I'm sure, on the radio. I write about it. I talk about it in all the books I've written. I wasn't raised religious, so I don't have the Christian baggage of going to church and stuff. Like, I don't identify with any of that of those feelings but i was raised in the united states so i have christian baggage because we are indoctrinated into it it is a part of our culture Uh, and i don't like that i don't want someone else's religion making the rules for my life that's not the way it's supposed to be in this country yeah and therefore that's what makes it political. political that's why there's a space for politics not just a space it's a right you know, as anyone who belongs to a minority group, any minority group, it is your right. It's imperative that you take action politically and you are aware of what's going on and you vote and you do the things that you are uh, supposed to do as a good citizen. Otherwise, your rights and your safety and your place in this culture and community could easily just be snatched away from you. Look at history. It's not hard to see it happening in other places. Look at like, you know, what's happening now in the United States, a lot of people keep looking at Nazi Germany and the, the tide of, of fascism. It's like, history is doomed to fucking repeat itself. You know, it's not hard to see how some of these um, tides are moving in similar directions. And that is really, really scary. All right. So I have a provocative question for you. Because a lot of what somebody could interpret from this conversation is that I'm a bleeding heart liberal. Yes, <laughs> that's not what I was going to say. But a lot of what you could say is that you're you're anti-conservative, right? You've mentioned sure. several times dominant religion, conservatives yeah, yeah. tend to be Christian. That yep. tends to be more conservative, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to ask you a provocative question mm-hmm. here. What about folk on the other side that would identify much more of the on the left mm-hmm. that say, "I'm going to sit this one out." 
Yeah, I mean, that makes me mad, too. I get it. I mean, I really do get it. Like, Joe Biden, to just talk about this presidential election, to talk about what's unfolding right now as we speak. Mm. He wasn't the choice that lefties wanted. He's not progressive enough. But guess what? This country's not progressive. It's not. So although I might be super socialist, Sally, and want things to really swing in a very left direction, that's not like we're very polarized. So we do need someone that's kind of more in the middle. That's not my ideal either. I just want someone that's sane at the moment. Right, exactly. For a chimpanzee and a and a block of uh, yeah. wood. I keep it's a quote from the office, but I, I keep saying that I'd rather vote for an upturned mop with a bucket for a head than um, the idiot who's president right now. But um, I get it. Like I'm gonna, I'm not gonna get involved. I'm gonna sit this one out because because it's not left enough. It's not progressive enough. It's not, and it's never going to be in this country. It's not this. The United States is way too freaking big, and we're way too freaking different. And regionally, we're like four or five different countries all squished together. So you know, my very crazy idea is we shouldn't be the United States anymore. We need to break apart into smaller groups. No one's going to go for that. That's, you know, the the world politically, according to Phoenix, is no one else's plan. <laughs> but I don't understand how we can continue, how we as a country can continue to survive when we are so polarized, you know. So th- that's that. So you are, you would not consider yourself, and I'm going to use this word very carefully Mm -hmm. you would not consider yourself a republican meaning someone that believes in the republic no i don't believe in the republic at all yeah i never have and uh, and weirdly and i know that this could be like people are probably gonna be super pissed about some of the stuff i'm saying right now and Mm. sorry about it like you i i'm fully okay with everyone having their own opinions um but you know being an american is difficult when you want to be more global of a human uh, you know, from a very young age, because my family is very international, I have grandparents that are not um, American, weren't born as Americans. I was aware very early on the way other countries looked at Americans, and it wasn't fondly, you know, but I would have other kids or friends or whatever who ha- were under this like rose colored glass opinion of how America's so great and everyone loves us and wants to be us and is just jealous. And I was like, no, dudes, that's not other countries think we're idiots. Like it's embarrassing to be an American. And I've I've kind of identified as like not a super stoked American for most of my <laughs> life because I do have so much European influence. Right. It's, and we I don't feel like we take care of each other the way European countries do. Yeah, it's very interesting. I, when Phoenix and I, uh, when Phoenix went to England for the first time, so I, Phoenix and I went back when we were first dating, yeah. and we were staying in this lovely bed and breakfast in Glastonbury, yeah. and we were sitting around this farmhouse table, and there were a group of people there, and uh, found out very quickly that Phoenix was an American. Her accent betrayed Shocking. her. She was the, the one person with a weird accent in the room <laughs> yeah. uh, for a change. And um, there were a couple of people there, um, primarily women. I think I was the only man staying yeah. in the place at the time. But um, they, the President Bush, the second yes. Bush, was in office. Yes. And people were just not having it. They were, like, badgering you. Like, how could you have voted for him? Well, and it's also, like, there's a little bit, you get to see a little bit of the British misunderstanding. And this is not just a British issue. This is a, like, I've, I've an international thing. 
other countries don't understand how big this country is. Right. They have no idea. Because really, the woman that was giving me the hardest time was like, you know, well, Americans never leave their country. So how they're never going to be more worldly. Well, yeah, because for me, living in California, traveling to New York is like her traveling to Eastern Europe. Like it's, oh, it's more than that. It's, it's far and it's expensive. And it's, you know, and me as a California traveling to the East Coast, it is like going to another country. They have a different dialect. They have a different way of being. The The landscape is different. It's, there are so many different countries squished into this country. So that's something also that I didn't realize, honestly, until we went to England, um, you know, is why some of the other countries look down upon us and think that we're a bunch of dummies is because they don't realize how big we are. Yeah. They like it. We are a, a, the land mass of the United States is massive. I always think about that, and I I brought it up when we were there as well. But if you drive from Los Angeles mm -hmm. to San Francisco, it's approximately four hundred miles. It's about seven hour drive. Right. If you drive from London to Glasgow, it's about. 400 miles roughly yeah. right from from england to scotland it's about 400 miles the difference being is if you're in san francisco you can drive another four hours north more than four hours six hours north and still be in california right. and you can drive another two hours south from los angeles and, and still, still be, be in, in california, california. Exactly. and you can drive east for four hours and still be in california exactly. and i think that's one of the biggest things in yeah. in, in europe that's why california should be its own country i, th I agree but um <laughs> you know in england there's this old old saying that says um uh, uh in england they think 100 miles is a long way in an america you think 100 years is a long time right and that's totally valid right. and that's part that's part of the american problem and you know my humble american opinion is that we have very short sight we have very short sight. Yes, you're, you're mere babies. Yeah, we are. And, you know, we're, we're teenagers now, and uh, it's obvious. <laughs> and I think there's <laughs> a politics to that as well. Like, um, interestingly enough, like, there are folk around the U.S. Um, that um, are, are witches and the various pagans, as well as um, indigenous folks who were mm -hmm. on this land, you know, for many thousands of years before settlers came here from the from Spain and from England and from France and mm -hmm. wherever. Um, there's a, a culture of conservation that's different here. So in yeah. England, as oh an God, example. Yeah, it's like infuriating to right. me. You know, we have thousand-year-old castles or more. We have five and seven-thousand-year-old monolithic sites. We have, you know, anytime they build a road, there, there's a lot of, you know, there's got to be big archaeological thing. Right, you have to have, you have to pass certain archaeological right. inspections before you can build anything from a parking lot to a skyscraper. Right, and when they do dig up parking lots to build up something else and they find something like, Everything, everything has to stops. Stop. Yeah. Where here in the U.S., it's like, what indigenous bodies? Uh, let's just dig over those. Shh, don't tell it, anyone. Don't tell anyone. Right. So I think even that. We'll build is, the shopping mall. People will love it. Right. I, I think history is political because again, you know, there's the old trope about history is told by the victors. Or is well, that's by the part of the problem, right? Is because as settler colonists, we need to erase the fact that people were here before. There's not respect for those cultures. Generally speaking, I think that's untrue for pagans and witches. We, you know, speaking for myself, I'm hungry to know more about those cultures. I'm hungry to understand the way that those cultures lived with the landscape. Because and, and live. 
Yes, but I mean before settlers and colonizers mm. arrived, right? Uh, because there is, there there is wisdom lost, right? And we, you know, one of the things we're seeing here where we live is fires. The the tribes that lived on this land had a different ecological relationship. So fires. So, so they swept the forest. Yes, <laughs> they vacuumed. <laughs> they yeah. Anyway, the, but um. Because we don't want people to pay attention to that history. Because then you'd have to own up to the fact that there was genocide. That our ancestors that murdered chattel people. Chattel slavery. Right, and, exactly. Right, like right. we just we just want to pave over that, pretend it didn't happen, and just yeah, say, say... whitewash. Exactly. All that stuff, just get over it. Like yeah. just be present, just be now. And that's the short-sightedness, right? Like don't, don't forget. And also... Other countries' histories do impact us, too, because we could easily make the same mistakes that other countries have made. <coughs> Germany, you know what I mean? Like, right, right. So, so I think in that there's a politics. There's a politics of history because yeah. when we don't pay attention to history. All of this is politics. Right, right, which, you know, uh, again, is I think this notion. So for me, it's virtually impossible. I can have my own practice. You know, I can yeah. run around naked in my living room and uh, worship the holy pretzel or whatever right. it is that I choose. And in that, that's not political. I get that because right. I'm doing it. You it's know, your personal private practice. In my home where right. nobody else is going to question it. Right. So in that regard, yeah, you could make the argument that it's not political. My religion is up to me and nobody else. But in saying that, you're making a political statement. Mm -hmm. I practice a religion and I want the right to practice it the way I want right. to. That is a political statement. Well, and if that, if pretzel worship all of a sudden becomes... I do want a pretzel. Yeah. If that all of a sudden becomes outlawed or not allowed, then all of a sudden your neighbor notices that you close the blinds at the time that the pretzel worshippers <laughs> close their blinds and reports you right. and then all of a sudden you're crucified in the town square on a pretzel right, right. like uh, you know and this sounds like i get it to some folks this is going to sound freaking nuts like th of course that's not going to happen it it doesn't take much it doesn't take much for people to go freaking bonkers about things like this because only my way is the right way and that is such a huge, scary problem. Yeah. So, okay, look, religion is political. History is political. Yes. Um, the notion that you as a woman and that you and I as queer people, our rights are somehow lesser than, than straight white folk, um, that, that, is, that is political. Um, yes. Uh, uh, the environment uh, and the preservation of it. And again, we can differ on what preserving the environment means. Some people, you know, think hunting should be outlawed. I don't. Uh, it's not something that I practice, but I certainly respect those that do. Um, but again, um, the fact that there needs to be an environment, because without one, we're all dead. Right. As far as we know, there's no other planet we can move to. Not, and certainly not easily, even if there was one. Right. Um, so all of these things are political. Yes. So how, like, what would you say to somebody that's, that, you know, the, the many, there was a, a recent post on Patheos by one of the writers that said something like, you know, my, my paganism is political. And there was like 600 comments mm -hmm. and a great number of the people were holding the position. So clearly it's true. Mm -hmm. 
um, for some people that no politics and and paganism have no place with each other, and they were very um, vehement, and yeah. vehement, mm-hmm. yeah, and and scary in some cases. Yeah. yeah. So how do you? Uh, and I'm not even going to say make the argument because I don't think I don't. it's actually an argument; it's a conversation. But how do you? I mean, how is it not political? I can't fathom it. I can't because I, I you know, what's that expression? The the personal is political and the political is personal. Mm-hmm. Like I just don't understand. I mean, I, so I'm an immigrant, right? So I have another. Wait, what? I am. It's true. Is that why you talk weird? I always wonder. <laughs> it's why I talk weird. Yeah, but I have. You know, um, I'm often worried about some of the rules, especially in the last four years, about who can come and go from the country and how. And, and you know, again, I'm, I'm a, a white dude, so people aren't necessarily looking at me and thinking I'm an immigrant. They certainly don't think I'm one of them dangerous immigrants. Right. Right. Although I have actually come to the U.S. and uh, have taken your jobs and your women and a few of your men too. Well, and for a moment, many years ago, it wasn't exactly on the up and up when you were a kid. When I first came to the U.S., right. yeah, I would have been, there was no term for this when I first moved to the U.S., but I would have been what was known today as a dreamer. Yeah. My parents came to the U.S. illegally yeah. and, and I came with them. Right. Um, and oddly enough, this is one of those weird things. There's not a lot of things that I would say complimentary about President Reagan or his administration. Uh, but one thing that President Reagan did do was create an amnesty program. Uh, this was back in the early 1980s, like 1984, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And my family took advantage of that but amnesty and, program. And, but to be into like crap on Reagan for a second, oh, I, you were only able to do that because you were able to get help financially to do that. Because oh. you had to fly back to your country of origin. Yeah. Yeah. People yeah. with whose country of origin, A, no longer existed, B, <laughs> is dangerous, you know, right. or, or whatever. Right. Like, that. that's not an option for everybody. No, it's not. But, again, just yeah. t- to be clear, I am not uh, an illegal no, alien. No, you have a green card. I do, indeed. <laughs> I've seen it. Right. <laughs> it's not even green, but it, it is. I do have the, the requisite documentation. Yes. Um Resident alien, it says. I am. I'm an alien. There you go. Um, But there is this, I worry as an immigrant that my rights will be impinged upon. And I've seen them, you know, folks not being able to get back into the country. Well, and you've been hassled coming back into the country when you've traveled overseas. Only in the last four years. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And again, uh, um, you know, to walk a very delicate line here. I'm not the one they're looking for. No, exactly. And I still get hassled. Right. So for folks that are of color or from countries that uh, folk, you know, determine are less desirable for people to come from. Yeah, it's really scary. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, in that, like, as again, as as a witch, as an immigrant, as a queer person, as... Uh, somebody that cares about the environment, as someone that's been an activist, that's someone that supports a woman's right to choose in every situation. I think it should be safe. I think abortion should be legal. I think you should be able to get one at a Seven Eleven if you want. Like, uh, no, you, you know what I mean. It's a medical procedure. Well, I'm not sure okay, about that. Fine, but you get the idea. <laughs> I, like, do. I, I don't think it should be difficult to yeah. access. I think it should be 
and I do like I do think it should be easy. And some people are like, "Well, no, you should go through the steps." No, you fucking shouldn't. I think you, if you have decided to make that decision, it's never an easy decision. I don't care who you are, and right. there are consequences whether you determine to terminate a pregnancy or whether you bring a child to term. There are consequences for both of those, right? But it, from a medical perspective, it should be as easy as getting a fucking flu shot. Well, and to go back to your, like, where I think you were going a moment ago with, you know, the... Because the, I just got on my soapbox. You box. did, with the <laughs> 600 comments about people saying, you know, paganism mm. isn't political. Honestly, I think those people are really selfish. Mm. Because they're only looking at the world from their own tiny perspective. Which gives me this idea when we talk about like the pentacle, right? As mm-hmm. a, that's a symbol. Not every person in witchcraft will necessarily identify with the pentacle, but many will. Yeah. Like it's, it's a connected um, mm-hmm. set of lines. The circle, you know, the circle has no beginning and no end mm-hmm. kind of thing, right? Everything is connected. And I think if we as pagans and witches want to work with elements, if we want to work, you know, magic works because of the interconnectedness of our will plus elements plus herbs plus, you know, imagination plus whatever else it is that goes into magic that makes magic work, belief alone. Um, If all those things are connected, I cannot fathom how folks think that politics and paganism are not connected. Well, and just, you know, you just made a a comment a moment ago about only in the last four years in traveling back into the United States have you been hassled. And I have a similar example. Sorry, our little dog is harassing the crap out of me at the moment. Get down, little dog. Okay. Um, So I teach classes about witchcraft, and I have for about a decade. And before that, the decade before that, I would have gatherings at my house that were, you know, not publicly announced. I wasn't posting flyers or anything, but I would have people gather at my house and we would do witchcraft. And so I've been teaching this for about 20 years in some way, shape or form. In the last year, uh, so I post events on Facebook right? Because Facebook is a great way to get the word out and have people discover you're teaching a class. And I've been posting my witchcraft and goddess classes for 10 years on Facebook for 10 years. This year, for the first time ever, I've had people write crazy fundamental Christian shit on my posts. Mm -hmm. Like repent, Jesus, burn all the witches, like scary shit to the point where I considered taking down one of my posts because I kept getting these comments, mostly from white men, about burning witches. For the first time in 10 years. So for folks who don't think that our current political system is raising this crazy MFing vibration of people who want to cause others harm, either because of their wackadoo religious beliefs or because they're just sociopaths and it's giving them the freedom to do that, that is absolutely connected to our political system right now. And it's scary to me. It's scary. As, as a woman, as someone who is out about being a witch, as someone who owns a business in a main street in a little downtown where I could easily be vandalized, you know, we don't put that out there. No, no. But I mean, we live in a little progressive bubble, right? So that's not something, knock on wood, that I, t- I worry about. But we have a friend, another Patheos writer who wrote about this very publicly. She owns a little witchcraft shop in a very 
Southern Christian community. And she had someone come and um, put a very scary sign on her front door about how the, you know, Trump hunting season was open and that she was on the list. And it ended up supposedly being a joke and it's just some... That's very funny. Yeah, some young people being assholes or whatever. But that's scary. That's really scary. And anti-Semitism is on the rise. Uh, uh, Racial profiling, not racial profiling, but... um, um, aggression. Black people. No, I don't. I, I don't just mean that. I mean people t- like even with coronavirus, you could see videos of people going after Asians mm. because it was being called the quote unquote Chinese flu. Right. That that is all being impacted by our current political system, and it's disgusting. Yeah. So you know, I find I I find it very scary where this road could lead because it's already feeling like, you know, we're frogs in the pot, right? Mm. So we can't necessarily feel how hot the water is getting until it's too late. And I'm starting to worry politically that the bubbles are starting and we're, we haven't noticed. I'm noticing. I don't think everyone has noticed. All right. So we've got a couple of minutes left. Oh yeah. We're right at time. You've obviously already voted in the election. Yeah. Uh, everyone in our family has made their choices to vote, not vote, and then to for whom to vote for. Uh-huh. Um, by the time this airs, uh, the election will be over in one sense. They'll maybe <sighs> counting and, you know, celebrations, recriminations, or it you know, may end up in a legal battle for the next month. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But... Um, Dear people of tomorrow, literally tomorrow... I really hope it's a beautiful day. Mm, exactly. So the question that I have for you is, regardless of the outcome of the U.S. election, there's still work to do. Oh, yeah. Right? So, I mean, again, whether oh, yeah, whether absolutely. your team wins or your team loses, yeah. there's still work to of do. Of course, there's a part of me that is like, okay, after if, if everything goes the way I want it to, It'll be fine. No, it won't be fine. It's still not, for me, it's still not progressive enough. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, uh, politics, paganism, intricately woven, Mm -hmm. completely intertwined. Yeah. Your personal practice might not be political, but the fact that you... But you have the privilege of that. And, and the right guaranteed yeah. in the Constitution of the United States. Exactly. That makes it and that's politics, right there. Absolutely. It's not the Constitution of, you know, Bob. Right. You know, it's what it's in theory what every law in our country is based upon mm-hmm. or stems from. You know, the shitty laws and the good ones. Yep. So there you go, folks. A cheerful topic tonight. A bit of a departure. For those of you that listen in regularly, you might be like, oh, fuck me. I wish they were talking about food again. We do too. Yeah, we do too. <laughs> I just thought... I didn't know we were talking about this. I just didn't think that we could let this pass by. It seemed like... Um, Time is up, though. I don't want to go over and, yeah, and have okay. the last cut off. All right, then. But thanks for listening, everybody. All right, everybody. Uh, vote Good if luck. you haven't. Uh, be rejoiceful if your team wins. Don't be a dick if your team doesn't. Or be a dick. Uh, that's okay, too, I suppose, if you're going to go out and protest in the streets. I support that. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>